Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Magnolia Beef and Seminary has top quality beef products that are raised right here in Mississippi. They also have fantastic gifts for every age. For the best beef in Mississippi and so much more, visit Magnolia Beef and Seminary or find us on Facebook. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the story straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Today on In a Mississippi Minute, we are keeping it in Mississippi. Concordia Parish, exactly, if I said that right. The Natchez area. My guest grew up in those parts. With success in Music City, with such hits as David Ball's Thinking Problem, uh, which uh, I can relate to very well, Uh Bobby Criner's He Feels Guilty and the brainchild for the Shack Up Inn in Clarksdale, Mississippi. That's what I'm saying. Please say hey, hey, hey to our very own Tommy Polk. Hey, Tommy, what's up? Steve, I appreciate you having me on today. I look forward to our visit. Oh, I love it. Well, we're going to be speaking with all of our great folks of Mississippi and beyond. So it's uh, it, it's exciting, and, and our team at Super Talk has done a great job of spreading the word. So um, at one point, I, I keep waking up going like they're going to call and go, look, listen, this has been a big joke, and you need to get back on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> So, so I'm having fun with it. I appreciate you taking the time. All right, I want. I always like digging into the rearview mirror. I think it's the most important part, the part that molded you, that gave you your drive to go become successful. You and I spent uh, equivalent amount of time in Music City, 20 years, I think, and and we both know the the lay of that land. But what got you there is what I love to hear about. Um, take me growing growing up. I want to know where you went to school. I want to know when the passion hit you. To, to write songs for a living, and uh, and I, I think that's where I want to start. So uh, I'm going to leave it to you. The path really began about the third or fourth grade. I had uh, a $5 Mexican guitar <laughs> that was given to me by an importer who lived in Vidalia, Louisiana. And I learned a few chords on that guitar, and I improved. And my parents saw an interest, and they splurged and got me an $8 guitar, and I kept improving until they got me my first Gibson. And I was short, fat, and I had Coke bottle eyeglasses, and I was not good at sports, but I could handle some chords on the guitar. And I took my guitar to school one day, about the fifth grade, and um, everyone was just amazed that I could strum a few chords. And and I got some recognition and a modicum of respect from my classmates for the first time ever. Wow. And that really encouraged me even more. 
And then I guess about 14, I was in my first band playing rhythm guitar. Uh, had a Les Paul. I got rid of it. I regret it to this day. And then I decided that I wanted to be more like John Prine, who I became aware of in 72, and Steve Goodman. And I had a tear in my retina on my right eye. And I was not allowed to do anything for a year physically because of fear of carrying this more wide open. The medication didn't work. Wow. But anyway, during that time, I transferred what I had learned on guitar to piano. And it was about that time that piano really took over as my primary instrument. And it was about that time, too, that I started writing songs. I went out uh, on a date with an older woman. She had her driver's license. Her name was Rhonda. We kissed. And I just decided I wanted to write a song. And then I played it for her, and then she really kissed me. And I said, I found my calling. So I just started writing more and more. When I graduated high school from Trinity and Natchez in 1974, I went to um, Spring Hill and Mobile. I was in a pre-law curriculum there, political science, and I was going to practice in Waynesboro, Mississippi, with my uncle. Well, I studied and studied and made C's, and all the people around me never studied, and they made over a 4.0. I still don't know how they did that. But anyway, I realized I was out of my element. So I went and hung out at Louisiana Tech in Ruston, Louisiana, and just played guitar and uh, wrote songs, trying to build up nerve to try to make it in the business. And uh, Kix Brooks was there playing, and I was doing the same festivals and bars as they were doing. My father sent me a newspaper clipping while I was in Ruston, about this school in Claremore, Oklahoma, called the Countrypolitan School, Claremore Junior College. Well, I hop in my little red Volvo, and I head up there to look at it. I see people playing Western swing guitar, and I've never played anything like that. So I wanted to go spend the summer up there in an unair-conditioned cinder block building, living with a guy from Iran called Abdul. And I taught <laughs> wow. him how to read because I would read... Uh, his lessons into my ghetto blaster and he would go back and at the end he kind of talked with a little southern accent which I thought was kind of cool <laughs> so while I was there the Iranians would have bottle rocket fights with some people who lived on the upstairs dorm and there was a guy who lived on a couch on the, the porch of this dorm he wasn't a school uh, student there he was just there playing music with a band called Haywire and I got to know him. He told me he'd come through Nashville from South Carolina, and he had stopped at this college that had a recording studio. I said, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, and he went out to his Volkswagen, and he got this brochure on Belmont University, well, Belmont College at that point. And I opened it, and there were all these dim lights from the VU meters and the tape machine. And as soon as I finished in Oklahoma, I had it right over to, to Nashville to look at this place. And I went down the stairs into the basement. I opened that door to Turnley Studio, and it was so cold. And it was so hot outside. 
the the coolness just felt great in the dimly lit lights. Right. I walked in and saw the grand piano, and I said, this is where I need to be. So I went back to Ruston and packed up everything, moved it back to Natchez, and on New Year's Eve of 78 or 79, one of those years, I made my way up and I arrived in Nashville at midnight, uh, just as the ball was about to drop. Hmm. And I found my uh, apartment that my sister had rented for me. She lived in Nashville. So I checked in, and that New Year's Day, I went downtown to the Hyatt, to the Polaris room that revolved around uh, the city. And I had a Drambuian scotch called a Rusty Nail, and I toasted the city. And I said, in five years, I'm going to own this town. Well, five years later, I go back and I say, same Drambuian, same Polaris room. <laughs> I say, five more years, I'm going to own this town. <laughs> Well, additional five years, I said, you're not kicking me out. I'm not going to leave here with my tail between my legs. So uh, I had been trying to get into this Pickelick Publishing Company for two years. I was told that the guy I needed to speak to was Sam Hogan there. He was a songwriter, and he was never in. I never got a return phone call from him. I kept going to all these different publishing companies, and I would be speaking with what were called professional managers or song pluggers, and I would get different critiques on the songs that I would be recording constantly in Belmont Studio. And I thought, I don't need a professional manager's opinion on my song. I need to find professional songwriters to be around. Well, anyway, I'm heading into this class, and someone said, did you hear about the tape copy job at Pickleck? I said, no. So I didn't go to class. I went straight to a pay phone, which they still had a multitude of those at the time. <laughs> and I called, and they said, I'm sorry, we filled that position. So I'm headed back to class, and I get mad at myself for not being more forceful about this. I've been trying to get in this place for two years. Right. <laughs> so I turn around, I go back to the, the pay phone. And I speak with Susan Gann there, who's the receptionist. And I say, I know you fill the position. I've been trying to get in here for two years. Please let me speak to somebody there. So I go in and I talk to Anita Hogan, who would turn out to be Sam's wife. Right. I interviewed with her, and she asked me questions like, are you a songwriter? Well, no, of course I'm not. I'm here because I want to learn publishing. Because I lied big time, yeah. <laughs> but it got me in the door. The first day I showed up, they gave me a key to the door and a burglar alarm key. And I felt I was offered the keys to the kingdom. And you were. <laughs> well, I was only hired for six hours a week, but I was there probably 60 hours a week. But um, I, I would work doing tape copies for maybe two years, and then they elevated me to be in a professional manager, which is the person I tried to, evolve, to avoid. <laughs> avoid in order to get into the business. So it, it was at that point that I really put my, my writing on, on the back burner. I really wanted to, to work hard for the writers there and get their material out there. That's an interesting point you're making, and we're going we're gonna to take a break and, and come back. We are in a Mississippi Minute. We are with the fabulous Tommy Polk, and it's only going to get better. Stand by. But a loving is much too strong. I just can't leave a love alone.
a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We are in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. Excited to have a former, uh, not former, he is back, like I'm back. Uh, but but we had a little departure from our great state, but we're back together. Uh, he's uh, a few hours away from me right now, but that's that's close enough. Tommy Polk, uh, I love this story, Tommy. I love you. It's like you're telling me a movie, and, and it's a movie that I'm familiar with. Your your path is a little different from mine, um, but there's so many uh, common threads that run through it between the people we know. And or Looking back at all, Tommy, do you feel like there could have been another route? Or uh, have you ever thought about that? Oh, if I'd have done this or that? Or, or do you feel like, you know what, that's the path I had to be on? I thought I was exactly where I was supposed to be at exactly the right time. When Ralph gave me permission to sign a writer, uh, I looked around, and this would be the first time Pickelick ever paid an advance to a writer. Wow. So Ralph made me struggle to find the person. Well, I almost immediately found the person, but it took another year for me to convince Ralph that this was the guy. Well, this turned out to be Paul Nelson. And I just fell in love with the first thing I heard that came out of the speakers that he brought in. And uh, we signed him for, I think, about three years. In that time, we had 18 Wheels and a Dozen Roses (laughs) and some other hits with him, too. Well, when his contract was coming through, he needed more money, and he wanted $300, no, 350 a week. And I went to Ralph and said, can we pay him that? And Ralph said, yes. But at the time, we, they were going through this merger with Screen Gems, and the lady running Screen Gems would not pay 350 a month. And I'd already told Paul. So I, I'm a firm believer in standing by your word and standing by the songwriter. So I get on the phone, and I call everybody I know, and I tell them, I hate to do this. I hate to lose this writer, but he needs 350 a week, and we cannot do it. Well, I got him signed to Juan Contreras over at Larry Butler Music. And then from there, he went on and on and on, and he wound up selling his publishing company for $12 million. He had a hit in the charts every week for four years. Wow. And um, I was so thrilled to work with him. Now, when he, when he was no longer with us, I kind of lost my interest in plugging songs. And I started songwriting at night and on weekends, and I would write with other song pluggers and a few other people around Pickleick. And I, I built up a catalog of about 15 country songs, and about 15 R&B soul songs. And I first went around to my friends in music publishing that didn't know I wrote songs. I didn't tell them. You've come full circle. I love this. And so, yeah. and, and your patience for not jumping in yeah. sooner is really amazing. I mean, I got to give you a lot of credit for, you know, because it was a passion. It was is what brought you there. But yet you were able to just still stay in the business. I I love this. This What a great story, Tommy. So keep going. Okay. So once I had all these songs demoed, I I took them around to people I knew could not afford to give me in advance just to get the nervousness out of me and the butterflies out of my stomach. 
and to get my rap down and pick the best songs to play for the people I really thought might want to hire me. And I went to every, almost every company in town. There were 26 that I went to. And a lot of those I knew couldn't afford me. It was just a, a process that I went through. Well, I decided I should go to at least one big company just to, to fill them out. Well, I did. I went to see Dale Bobo at Warner Chapel, and he gave me more money than I was expecting. And I was with them for four years. And in that time, uh, a friend of mine, Blake Chancy, called and said, do I want to write with this new writer that he had? I said, sure, I'll write with him. The last writer I turned down happened to be Alan Jackson, so I never turned down any co-writer. So I said, what are you looking for lyrically? He said, honky-tonk, just honky-tonk. And it turned out to be David Ball, and we holed up in a room for two years or so, wrote over 100 songs, and I had four on that first thinking problem. CD, right, right. and uh, two singles off of there, and then I had three on its second. And that kind of put me on the map where other artists wanted me to write with them, and labels would put me with different artists, and it really changed my whole career. Well, yeah. But I had, did base my career on writing with artists. I wanted to skip the middleman and try and jump on the bandwagon before the bandwagon got rolling. Mm-hmm. But what I found out is after it gets rolling, they put all the artists with the top writers in town, not the lowly, you know, people like me. But it did get me on some records like Carolyn Dawn Johnson. Uh, I had a top ten with her called uh, I Don't Want You to Go. See, I, I started writing with my rhythm section. I would go out and find a voice that I thought was going to be an artist, and Carolyn was one of those. Yeah, and I would bring her in. We would write, and Tammy Cochran, and yeah, did else? shows a lot with those guys along the way. Those girls, ladies, sweet. They're great, great artists, and great peeps. Yeah, they. It was really a fun thing, and you know, Jim Brown, Jim Moose Brown was my uh, keyboard player. Oh, he's great. brought him into a write with a lot of us, and he's turned out to be just an incredible musician and producer and songwriter. Oh, listen, too. he's he's so awesome. And for people that don't know, he wrote Five O'Clock Somewhere uh, and, and amongst so much more. But we spent almost a year together on the road because I, I toured with Bob Seger in 06, 07, basically the whole year. And uh, Moose Moose has been with Bob, you know, for a long time, being that utility guy. And uh, so yeah. obviously we were stuck on the bus and Bob would jet in and out and he was a day on, day off. So Moose, we I, I really got to know Jim uh, during that period, man, what a great talent. Great talent. Yes, un- unbelievable. Yeah. Singing, production, <coughs> writing. He can do it all. the whole nine yards. Hey, I've got a question. i got a question because you brought okay. something up because part of this journey of yours is just so interesting. The transition of going from a plugger. So for people that don't understand, a song plugger is the guy. That, he, man, he's your sales guy. He goes out for the publisher who's paying you. Uh, usually, and a lot of times, publishers could have been a songwriter. In my case, it was always, it usually was, usually not always, but um, uh, that that started their own publishing company uh, and and continued to mentor. But you went from pitching songs, which I think is an amazing thing because you're around hits. Yeah. 
But that transition to becoming what you went there in the first place to do is write songs. What you know when you when you went to your friends, did they say what's wrong with you? Are you okay? Because I've had a lot of transitions in my life when they'll ask, "Are you okay?" You're like you know starting a music festival, Steve. What are you doing? Like I love those yeah. questions, but. But what what was it like when you first went and, and started exploring that? Well, a good friend of mine, Jimmy Gilmer, who had the hit Sugar Shack, mm-hmm. he was running uh, EMI for a while, and then he was working as management for Brad Paisley later on. But when I told him what I wanted to do, quit plugging and just write songs, he said, man... Why do you want to give up your health insurance and your guaranteed income for something you don't know is going to happen? But I had moved up there to do it. Right. And I I just wanted to do it. All my my friends like Sam Ramage and Glenn Middleworth, they were all supportive. Blake Chancey, all the ones that knew that I was closet writing for about two or three years really encouraged me. That's awesome. Now I didn't didn't go to any of them looking for a writing gig. I went to some of them to get opinions on my songs. I, I did later wind up writing for Forest Hills, which Glenn Middleworth ran for Jerry Bradley, and then I wrote for A Cup Rose. Jerry Bradley was over it, and Glenn was there. And then getting back to Blake Chancey, his wife Jackie Solomon was working with a, a publishing company called Amstein. And uh, she signed me there for three or four years, and I never looked back. I, I, I cherish every moment I had up there. I love it. Uh, it's just a great. I, I'm I just, too old to do it now. But no, I, you're not. You're only well, just getting started. What are you talking about? I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so okay. Uh, so okay. Th- I mean, okay. We're gonna dig more into in you're coming back home because I think it's so important that uh, that you did come back home. And I, and I'm, I get what I get why you did it, and I think it's just so cool. Uh, but we'll get into the break in a second. But before you, you and I both growing up around here, we can uh, we don't need to uh, to say it any clearer. We are the birthplace of American music, and that's why you and I do it. We've been we were around all this great art growing up. So you get to play DJ. You want to hear a little Faith Hill or a little Marty Stewart? I'm pairing that little area of Mississippi against each other right now. Stay still, please. You got it. We're with Tommy Polk, hit singer, songwriter, plugger, all things Nashville. And we're going to talk about the success that he had moving back and all that he did for our creative economy and uh, and further. Stand by. You're missing it. You can now follow the latest updates across the state with News Mississippi, the exclusive news partner of Super Talk Mississippi. On air, online, and now on the brand new News Mississippi app, you can select the news and weather alerts you want. Just look for News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I hope it's not too late. 
There's still so much to say to you. I'm Steve Azar. We are with hit singer, songwriter, entrepreneur in a lot of ways. And I want to dig into that this session. Tommy Polk, uh, who is uh, hanging out in, Nat- in, in Natchez right now and um, and spend, spending his glory days there. Uh, his, uh, what, do you, what do they call it? The tw- our twilight years. Where you and I are both uh, heading heading in, in there a little bit. But I don't want to, I'd rather it be my, uh, I, I don't want to admit that I'm sort of, closing in on it because i know you and i've had long careers uh we've been in the business a very long time but i like to think i'm just getting started but tommy okay uh, i was talking to james your cousin at hobson's the other day uh i love him he's a wonderful guy he called and he goes hey i love your radio show why don't you call tommy i said i love to call tommy and so anyway and then and, and i was actually uh well i just got back from being overseas uh, and, and I want to get into what you're doing now, but I want you to take me on the vision and the effort. And when you decided to leave Nashville and tell all your friends that not only, I'm, not, I'm not becoming a songwriter and leaving being a, uh, a song plugger or being involved in publishing. Now I'm going to leave you guys and I'm going back. Take me through your mindset. Uh, we're talking about the shack up in. Uh, it's the coolest place uh, and, and I just want to know sort of where your vision came from. I wanted, for a long time, I looked for a lake lot at uh, Center Hill Lake. And I was going to move an old Beverly Hillbillies-type shack and put it there with the view so I could take my songwriter friends there to write songs. Like a retreat, right? Well, right. Yeah. And um, I never could find anything with the view that I wanted that I could possibly afford. And I mentioned it to my cousin James. He said, well, you can move Shaq here to Hobson. So I did. And I started bringing my co-writers down, and we would stay there and write songs in the cradle of the blues. Everyone loved it going down there. Hobson Commissary is so much fun. And the people there are all cool. Well, anyway, um, we're talking Clarksdale for James, people that don't know. This is where you know yeah. my 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 mom grew up there, and my cousin's Abe's Barbecue. I don't know if you if you ever uh, frequented that place, but uh, my mom's first cousin oh, was yeah. Abe. Yeah, so uh, my mom grew up okay. on Highway sixty one in the grocery store there. So, uh, a very I spent most of my weekends in Clarksdale growing up. So uh, very familiar, and uh, it's it's family for me. So for people that don't know, the right. shack up in and Hobson's are the commissary and all that is. It's right there in Clarksdale. While I was in Nashville, James and Bill noticed that Europeans were coming through, and they were intrigued on staying there and, they, and staying in my shack. And I was reluctant at first because I had some pretty personal stuff in there. But then they moved in the second shack, and hmm. I decided you know, I'd get my personal stuff out and rent it out, too. And... Um, Bill has just built a powerhouse as a tourist destination. Right. You know, I'm in tourism down here, and almost everybody that comes through heading up there know about the shack up there. So cool. I love it. You know what you did, Tommy? You don't know that we were the birth, we're obviously the birthplace of American music, but you could be the birthplace, you could have created. Uh, and and we could now be the birthplace of the Air Airbnb. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just love it. I mean, okay. So for people that aren't familiar with the Shack Up in and all this, it just, just take. So right now you've got what one or two places there? Is that what you're saying? 
uh, at this time. Yeah, this is right at the very beginning. Right, right. Well, it got it got so busy that we moved in. I think three or four more shacks, and <laughs> it still got more busy. Once we got this thing in the Atlanta Journal Constitution, the the doors blew wide open. Uh, wow. It was picked up by news services all over the the country and and the world. And more and more people started coming, and I was unable to get in there to write songs and bring my co-writers. So I bought an old building downstairs that used to be an ice cream parlor, downtown, that used to be an ice cream parlor. And I opened the Big Pink Guest House there, and I ran it long distance from Nashville. Wow. Well, it got so busy that I couldn't stay there. I had to stay in the uptowner. (laughs) motel down a few blocks away so i moved in a a farm commissary from webb mississippi and i renovated it to be the mississippi music hall and i had two guest rooms in there so um that's where i would stay you could be the first person who's ever been displaced in clarksdale over and over and over (laughs) i mean it's it's so funny and they're all your own places which is amazing now well now tommy you're talking obviously bill we're talking bill luckett right uh is that is that who you were talking about when you referred to bill bill talbot oh bill talbot okay okay all right well i know bill luckett and obviously with morgan freeman was morgan and ground zero was this about the same time or were you were you pre uh, Ground Zero? I think I was pre. When they were doing the renovations on that building, I, would, I had already moved in, I, I think, downtown. And I might have even moved in the commissary by that point. Hmm. I do remember Bill coming to look at the renovations. Um, so it's probably about the same time. Right. So yeah. uh, anyway, I was still going back and forth to Nashville. And then about... Twelve years ago, I had decided I was going to move to Clarksdale. Um, my mother had a, a house there called Honey Hill. I had the the commissary and the uh, Big Pink downtown. My sister even bought a place <laughs> in it. Clarksdale downtown. So I kind of visioned our family focusing our energy on that. So we had just moved my mother from Clarksdale up to Nashville to uh, a retirement community. And I came down to sell her place in Vidalia, Louisiana. My father had died 18 years ago. But we kept the house in case she ever wanted to come back to it, even though she never did. But when she found a place in Nashville where she appeared to be happy and settled, we decided to sell a place down here, and I came down for an extended visit to do just that. Well, I didn't want to lose my roots in Natchez, so I bought an 1880s row house here, and I renovated it to become Shanty Bellum Guest House, which I was going to run from Clarksdale, because Clarksdale was closer to Nashville, and I could get back and forth easier. So while I was renovating it, that, I went to the grand opening of fine frames place here in town and an old girlfriend from high school wound up being there too and i didn't know but she had divorced and moved back from los angeles after 23 years of marriage and i knew within a week that i was going to see what i could do to reinvent myself down here to see where that goes 
and next month will be our 11th year anniversary. I wound up being downtown development and music tourism for Faraday, Louisiana, which is home to Mickey Gilly, mm-hmm. Jerry Lee Lewis, and Jimmy Swagger. I worked with the mayor closely for four years, and we did some incredible things music-wise there. I had songwriters from Nashville come down, had Odie Blackman, Ralph Murphy, Byron Hill, Costas, Ashley Cleveland, uh, Kenny Greenberg. Yeah, Kenny's played on a lot of my records. I love him. Love Kenny. Mark, yeah, Mark Selby, Tia Sillers. The list goes on and on. And I really enjoy that aspect. And I also started a Soul Survivors Festival in Faraday, which honored the black musicians who were still alive that played on the Chitlin circuit at a club called Haney's Big House. Yeah, absolutely. So we did that for three years. And we really built up a good tourism base, but then uh, Mayor McLaughlin didn't run again, and the new mayor had no interest in music. So it's just, it's got the uh, Delta Music Museum there now, but they didn't follow through on any of the infrastructure we did for um, for Faraday. In fact, your friend Craig Ray came down to visit with me there right. to look over our properties and give his advice to me. Let me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here because because this is something I think that our listeners uh, I think that it, it's something that I just really recently learned. First of all, when I came down came back here, I was doing. My wife and I wanted to. We had the community support. Of, of our foundation was founded in Nashville, but it was always giving to the Delta, right? And uh, the arts had a big influence on our, our mission statement. And so we're going in our eighth year and all that. It's been wonderful, but we had great support. But I never thought of it as like a uh, economic, a creative economic sort of, uh, you know, it, it, it making a difference and, and moving the needle as far as the economy down here is concerned. I never, it wasn't why we did it. And it's still not why we do it, but the bottom line is that it it moves the needle, not just in spirit and celebrating your art form, but having a real music scene in a town makes an absolute economic impact beyond belief because there's so many roads that lead to it. We are in a Mississippi Minute. We are with the fabulous Tommy Polk. Stand by. Oh, I'd rather be swimming with you, girl. Hey, folks. If you're tired of being tired because your pillow isn't doing his job at night, give my buddy Chad and his team at OmniPillow a go. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy, and listen to this. They will donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal is to give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. You'll thank me, I promise. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar. That's OmniPillow.com, promo code Steve Azar, and you'll receive 20% off with free shipping. If you ask me, there's no better pillow on the planet. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sign on the door says down home cooking. Yeah, I'm hungry, but I can't eat. I'm Steve Azar. We are in the Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. Excited to have Tommy Polk. Uh, You got me all worked up right now because I feel like, and you've been brought to Mississippi for so many reasons, and it all has 
one thing in common. It's the arts and the value. Yeah. And there's no way you create the shack up in in Clarksdale, Mississippi, and the Pink House, and all this stuff going on along the way. That art, that it wasn't art based. The reason you did it was to based off of everything musical, everything, and 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 sharing your friends and your history and your story of success all together. And when you bring all that together, then boom, boom, boom. So uh, I know I'm a little bit on my soapbox, but. I'm just making sure that you understand, coming from my point of view, how valuable, valuable, valuable if I can say that right, you are to your community and to the state. And uh, I'm just excited to talk to you about this because you have to do it. And you have to fight for it. And you being here is just it's just so important. So uh, I just want to say that uh, and then we'll keep going. But but uh, now you've yeah. ended up in tourism. And so tell me about yeah. what you're doing now. Well, I opened Shanty Bellum about 12 years ago or 11 years ago, and two years ago bought Shanty Bellum too. It's another row house built in the 1880s, and we've been operating that, my girlfriend and I, for two, almost three years. And right now, um, this week, I'm closing on another property that's right in the middle. So I have three 1880 row houses in a row. This one will be Shanty Bellum Central. And I go through Airbnb almost exclusively. There you go. It just makes my life so easy. But uh, once I do this one, that's going to be my last one. Well, at least that's what I'm saying yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I'll do another one. But uh, we started renovation on it last week. And hopefully I'll have it open maybe for the balloon race down here in October in hey, Natchez. Hey, Tommy, do you think that you would have ever been doing what you're doing now? That you're talking about if it wasn't for music, because to me, the music's brought you to doing this. And it obviously has got art, music written, or all, you know, it's a big umbrella sitting on top of your, on the properties. Uh, I mean, don't you feel like that, that you're still making music by, by doing, uh, by, by bringing in these types of houses and, and uh, I mean, it feels like to me you're still making music. Well, yeah, and and my my primary market is geared to the European music tourists doing what Aubrey Preston says is the American American music triangle: Nashville, Memphis, New Orleans, Muscle Shoals, mm -hmm. that area. They come through all the time, and the other people who are coming to Natchez to stay with me are not coming to Natchez for the old homes. They're coming here for, for Smoot's Grocery, a new music venue that's two blocks from where I am, from Shanty Bellum, and the Natchez Brewing Company, which is a block from where I am, and Steampunk, which is a great little coffee shop, all a block away from Shanty Bellum. So I inadvertently happened to start this in a very attractive location and it's a block and a half from the mississippi river bluff so it's an easy walk to all the bars downtown and that's one of my criteria you know right I, if i go out drinking i don't want to drive i want right. to walk so um that's kind of been my I love it. modus operandi and i've stuck with it and it's done well for me Hey, where does Shanty Battle, is that, was that a historic name there, or is it something you, I mean, because I'm not f familiar. I think, I, I really think, well, it's, it's a play on antebellum Natchez. But you would ask me, 
you know, how I got here. Really, the thing that changed my uh, paradigm was Shack Up In and my cousin James Butler allowing me to move the shack on right. his property. Oh, that was it. That, that, that really, I had fun decorating it. I just enjoy being there. So wow. that's what I'm doing now. I just think that's amazing. You know, your, your, your initial reasons for doing it was you were looking for a cool place to come, have a writing retreat, bring your friends. Right. Uh, and, and then look what's hat, look where it leads you. I mean, you know, uh, Tommy, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, uh, you know, just God bless you, brother. And uh, let's get together and let's write one. Let's pull you out of retirement because I, I can't take it. I can't take it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sorry I missed your show in Natchez with Dana Carter. I had a, a cruise planned, and we were out on that, so I missed your show. Oh, that's but okay. I, that is my big regret. Oh, that's not a regret. But Dina, well, there'll be more. Dina and I spent, we get to, lucky enough, maybe we do a couple, two or three shows every, well, we try a year. Uh, she's like a sister. She's she's like a brother. <laughs> she's a cool girl, yeah. and, and, and I had a great time there. Okay, so, uh, hey, hey, man, look, I can't thank you enough. I'm coming to see you soon, and you're going to come see me soon, and we're going to compare notes and uh, and we're going to write. We've been with the fabulous Tommy Polk, his great story from Mississippi, Louisiana to, you know, that area right there. And Natchez, just so much history and culture that led him to Nashville, to Clarksdale, to my old stomping grounds, and now back home uh, to where it all began. Tommy, I can't thank you enough. Thanks for spending a complete Mississippi Minute with me today. Thank you so much, Steve. I've really enjoyed this. Oh, I me appreciate too. the visit. You're the all best. Right. Bye-bye. I'm Steve Azar, in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. You can now follow the latest updates across the state with News Mississippi, the exclusive news partner of Super Talk Mississippi. On air, online, and now on the brand new News Mississippi app, you can select the news and weather alerts you want. Just look for News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.